Hello everybody and welcome to our first ever podcast. We're today doing the Speed and Shoot podcast um, with our first show, Round the Outside, um, covering the latest Formula One news, reactions and yeah, race coverage as well. Um, so today with the F1 season coming up, um, we thought we'd talk a bit about our thoughts with pre-season things such as new liveries, uh, driver ratings um, and our thoughts on the calendar as well. So um yeah, my name's Adham, and joining me on the podcast is... Um, Ekin. And yeah, let's go straight into this. Um, so what have we got planned first? Right, so first we're going to be covering the livery ratings now that they've all been um, released. Right. Uh, so without further ado, let's get on to it. So first team is starting with the Constructors' Championship from last season, Yeah. Uh, which was Red Bull. So livery ratings for Red Bull. I personally have gone with a 7 out of 10. What have you gone for? Yeah, I've personally uh, yeah, also gone with a 7, so that's... um. That's probably quite a consistent start from us. Exactly. Um, so if we mention why, it hasn't really changed from last season, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, and I think that sort of made a lot of people a bit disappointed or angry, especially with the launch being so long. And they basically just lifted the curtain and released the same car as last season. Um, yeah. However, we're trying to judge these liveries in, in isolation. Just, so. just by looks. So, for example, like I said, it was the same as last year, basically. But... There was nothing really wrong with last year's car. Yeah, the, the Rebel livery is really nice to look at. Um, it looks stunning both in the day and light, uh, day and night. Sorry, And um, yeah, one thing I do appreciate is that they haven't covered it with carbon fibre and it still keeps its iconic Red Bull look. Exactly, which we will get onto later on with but, yeah, uh, many for, cars. For a car that, you know, hasn't changed much, I won't give it higher than a 7. Um, but, but like yeah. we said, there was nothing really wrong with it to give yeah, it a low definitely score, a strong, yeah. yeah, definitely a strong look. Um, what you said is true also it's slowly turning into the iconic Red Bull you know what I mean mm-hmm. like when you think of a Red Bull Formula 1 car this is coming to mind now exactly and I think that that um, navy blue looks really great as I said but in, in, in light and in dark as well exactly. so moving on to uh, the unfortunate second place um, team of last season is Ferrari Ferrari what have you gone with? yes right so I have gone with an 8 out of 10 just one more point uh, from the Red Bull so far taking the lead what about you I see I've actually I've gone with a 9 I really like this Ferrari livery so do you want to give your thoughts us? right well it's just how do I put this just I mean I know it doesn't really look like much just red you know just red but red when you think of a Ferrari let's be real red comes to mind yeah that classic and red yeah as well. it's a classic great. red colour isn't it like it, just by looking at it the um it's not like it's not like the Alfa Romeo red, for example, or like the red on the Haas, or like the red of the bull on the Red Bull. It's just, it's its own. Like when you look at it, you could say Ferrari red. Yeah, you know, and I, mean? I think that's something that's quite positive. Last season, the red was a bit, I want to say darker, and depending on which which track or which race, I felt like that red was quite inconsistent in its color. But I think this season they've gone with a, a staple Ferrari red, and I also like the uh, increase in black on the car as well. Um, as well as obviously that rear wing um, that has Ferrari in classic sort of fashion. Yeah. I think it looks really great as well. Yeah, another mm-hmm. thing with the black, um, I like how they've, like we'll get onto this more with some of the cars coming up, mm-hmm. but I like how the, the added black on this car looks really good. Like it's fit, it, it fits in well, it looks like it's meant to be there. It yeah. doesn't look abnormal in any way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like it on the rear fin. Exactly. Um, the one nitpick that I have, which is why I haven't actually given it a perfect livery, is like I said, I like the black on the rear fin. I like it on the halo, but um, I'm not a big fan of like the cutout where the saver sponsorship is on the side pod. Right. Um, I think that could have been done better. However, apart from that, I think that's the only real negative thing I have to say about it. It's Ferrari. It's classic. It looks great, and it's a nine out of ten for me. Yeah, nice. I mean, the reason I didn't give it any higher is I thought there's nothing other than it looking really nice. There's nothing really like how do I say this? Nothing really to make it a 10. You get what I mean? Like it looks yeah. really, it looks quite like plain and, but it's just really nice. It's like it's a Ferrari red. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, no one else really, if they put that color on it would suit it. I don't think like the Ferrari does. Exactly. Um, especially with the Ferrari right. logos, but uh, moving on. Right. So third in the constructors last year and looking to make a comeback this year is Mercedes. Exactly. What have exactly. you gone for? Right. Mercedes. I've gone for a 10 out of 10. Ah, oh, first no 10. regrets. Yeah. What about yeah. you? Uh, I've also got a 10. I exactly. really love the Mercedes in black. I think it looks so much better. It's beautiful, right? So, um, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's, it's just really nice. I really like the Patronus um, like blue strip they've put there as well. Well, it's more like a green, but yeah. I yeah, know. all right. Okay, yeah. More <laughs> like a green. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I just I just love it, especially from the silver last season. And, I mean, 
all Mercedes fans were hoping for it to be black. Yeah, I think season. pretty much Literally everyone, everyone black was. Um, there is one thing I wanted to say about it, though. Go on. Um, the Ineos uh, red, it isn't on the entire sort of engine cover. No. It's just sort of a ring, and I, I actually prefer that quite a lot. Um, it's on the. It's also on the back of the spoiler. Oh, yeah, as well, yeah. Ineos red. What a do lot of people of don't... A lot of people have a problem with it. I personally don't think it's too intrusive if that makes sense i mean sure would it look better if it was black probably um yeah i mean yeah. i mean okay it's been sort of just tucked away with nothing no other part of the car it's like isolated it you know mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. it, you know i don't know what to say about it however if they were to put it on this side of the car i really think it would have like on the on the front side of the spoiler where the patronus is i really think it would have looked weird just a just a red spoiler yeah on a, but i all think black just car. on the rear wing on the back of the rear wing, I think it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else? I, I would say that, although I think this Mercedes is absolutely gorgeous, I think it can sort of represent a bit of a danger moving forward with the colour black. Um, I personally am in the camp that if you want your car to be black, you should paint it black. Because, obviously, carbon fibre is lighter and they're using it for weight saving, essentially. Um and I think that can be quite dangerous moving forward because other teams, and we'll get onto that later, have sort of overdone it a little bit. And I think there should be some kind of rule coming in from the FIA which states that you should have to paint your car because I, part of the spectacle of F1 is, you know, having the cars mm, in, yeah. in different in different colours. And I think essentially what this will eventually lead to is all cars being black carbon with like... Just like, a strip of yeah, their like original with the Mercedes, colour, yeah. the Patronus stripe. So you think um, you think the way it's going to go, the way it could possibly go, Ferrari, for example, would just be all carbon with spots of red. Yeah, exactly. Just a strip I think, of red you know, on, eventually the there could be the danger of doing that because at the end of the day, it's a sport of fine margins, and if there's weight saving in using carbon fibre, then you bet your your top dollar that it's going to happen. You know, loads of teams will start doing it. Exactly, bro. Uh, with nothing left to say, I say we should move on. All right. Uh, to fourth in the constructors last season, it was Alpine. Alpine. Uh, right. So I'd let you start off with this one. What did you give them? So obviously Alpine have released two liveries: one for the first three races, the all pink one. Um, obviously the BWT sponsorship plays a, a big part in that. Um, but also the blue one, which they'll be running for the rest of the season. Um, I personally really like the pink one. I gave it a seven out of ten. Um, just because it pops, you know, it's it's not afraid to be different. And I genuinely think it looks nice. And yeah, the the pink one, because it's unique, because obviously we know about it with Racing Point and it's nice to have that colour back on the grid again. Um, yeah, I I think it genuinely does look a lot better than the blue one. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Okay, so for the, for the pink one that they're going to run for three races this season, I've also given that a seven, mainly because I don't see anything wrong with a car like, I guess, standing out like that. Because now... For example, like I was saying with the Ferrari red, when you see that colour, when you see that car, you can't compare it to another one. Now the pink one has turned into like a, I guess, iconic Alpine car. You know what I mean? Like if you see that, if you see like a pink for, uh, Formula yeah, 1 car, Alpine's going to come to your mind. It's a, it's a BWT So mark. Yeah, so I guess it's, it's good It's um good for that. However, for the, for the blue one, I originally gave it a 4 out of 10. And that was mainly because of the, I like the blue and everything. However, the BWT on the side, just random pink there doesn't really look all right i guess it's just it's just a random splodge of pink for no reason and a little bit on the spoiler as well but saying that after watching testing today it didn't look that bad like yeah. in person like after so, i actually saw it it didn't really look that bad i do agree I mean? with you yeah. to be honest i think the under the lights at bahrain it's hard to make a car look, look bad. bad yeah so what have you given the blue alpine right uh well i'm i'm Still, I still don't really like in the color combination, so I guess I'm just gonna have to stick with my four just, really? to, just to keep it fair. Yeah, well, I've However, given it a five. Yeah. Sorry, I've given it a five. It's five. one of the lower ones. However, I don't hate it particularly. I just think, like I say, with the weight saving, there's a bit of black on the sort of rear end of the car, and it doesn't sort of go with the design. It's more just like black as in just carbon, there. carbon fiber. Yeah, right. Um. And I don't think it particularly works with the Alpine. That being said, I don't hate it. It's just sort of average for me. Right, perfect. All right, so um, yeah, I've got nothing more to say about the Alpine. Uh, moving on to fifth in the constructors, we've got McLaren. Right, what have you gone for? For McLaren, right. 
I have gone for a six because there are some stuff I love about it. For example, the Google Chrome uh, sponsor on the wheels. That, mm-hmm. that's, that was really smart. I think it's clever to do sponsorships. Like yeah, that. exactly. However, the reason I haven't given it any higher is because the fact that they've also got just bits of carbon on it mm-hmm. and it almost looks like it almost looks like it's not complete, the car. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like they forgot to paint some of it. Exactly. It's, it's like they've got to that Velo sponsor in the middle but, um, underneath the engine cover and they've just stopped. Like, they've yeah. just stopped there. Like, they've they ran out or they forgot to do the rest. And yeah, then, think... before they knew it, they had to announce delivery, so they just put that out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto this with our next car, but I think there's a way of doing the carbon fibre to make it look like part of the car. Exactly. Rather than just a weight-saving gimmick. Exactly. Um, and I think if you look at the McLaren from above on the bird's eye view... It's all black, pretty much. Like, yeah. you can't see much orange. Yeah, you can't I think, see much like orange. I said earlier with Mercedes, it's a danger moving forward because, you know, we love to see that McLaren papaya on the track. And I think it's slowly fading year after year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've personally given it a six as well because I, I love the orange. I love the bit of turquoise. But I thought they would have gone back to a more traditional blue um, because they obviously don't have the golf sponsorship anymore. It's gone to Williams. So, yeah, I guess that sort of... <laughs> may have I mean, skipped their mind or something i would have liked to see more orange because like you said from bird's eye view it looks almost fully black mm-hmm. um and like we were saying for the iconic red bull the ferrari and the um what else did we talk about the alpine as well the pink i think orange is mclaren's color yeah and we want to you know see I mean? more of that yeah exactly know? orange is mclaren's color so that being said i don't think it's a bad livery i just nah, i'm a bit disappointed yeah, yeah um, like, like th- yeah that's the reason potential. i'm you know, to be much better. Of course, yeah. That's why I've given it a six and nothing lower. But like I said, nothing higher for the reasons we've stated. Mm-hmm. Um, you got anything else to say about the McLaren? No, I think We're that's all. Right, on. let's move on to a real banger. Yeah, in so my sixth uh, in the constructors last season, we have got Alfa Romeo. Now, this car. This is a wow. good Formula One livery. Yeah. So this is a good one. What have, um, to be honest, bro, I'm looking at my, my um thing document here. I've given it a nine. But now when I'm looking at it, I can't remember why I haven't just given it a ten. Hmm. I think I might just have to. Think I might just have to go go for it, and I'm just going to say ten out of you're ten. Say your second ten. My second ten. I yeah. love this car. I love this car because, I mean, before before I carry on, I'll let you say what you rate. Yeah, well, it. I gave it an eight. Um, I think it's a really really strong livery. Um, there's so much I love about it. Um, first of all, red and black is always a win if you ask me. I think that they've done the black with the carbon in a way that suits the car exactly, and yeah. doesn't look jarring or unfinished. Um, essentially, it's quite similar to last season's livery. Um, however, they've just swapped the white for black. And I really loved the Alfa Romeo last season, and I'm happy to say that it still looks great this season. Um, I also really love the red on the wheel covers. Um, yeah, I, it just looks like a really complete livery, so I've given it an 8. Um, the reason I haven't gone high is I don't think there's anything particularly outstanding about it. I just think it's it's simple, it's effective, and it looks great. So I've given it an eight. Right? Yeah. No. I've just I just I just really like the um like you said the color combination as well, and I like how where it's black where it says steak on the body and then switches to red, mm-hmm. that just works. Like it doesn't look weird. It doesn't look like it's not supposed to be there. Unlike like I was saying for the McLaren, it looks like it kind of just stops. And doesn't mm-hmm. It looks on. unfinished. Yeah. However. That one, the Alfa Romeo, looks perfectly nice. And I like how the, um, as you can see, just the end bit of the engine cover going down by the stake, it just carries on. You know yeah, what I mean? The black all, all the way to the bottom of the car. Um, it doesn't stop anywhere. Like I said, it just works perfectly. Yeah, like, yeah. like I touched on, it's part of the design. It's not just there for weight saving. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, you got, I've, like, yeah, I've personally got nothing negative to say about it, really. Right, now on to the Aston Martin. Aston Martin, they were seventh in the constructors uh, last season. Aston Martin, all right, you could go first. What have you given this one? Well, I've, I'm a real sucker for this Aston Martin green, and I've given it a ten out of ten because to not give it a ten, I have to find a fault with it. Exactly, and I can't find a fault with this Aston Martin. Yeah. I mean, it's the green, especially after watching it on track um, today um, for Bahrain testing. It's stunning. It's absolutely gorgeous. Exactly. Like, and yeah, I've also gone for a 10. Uh, like you said, after watching... I mean, there's not, I can't really say anything wrong about it. It hasn't really changed from just from looks from last season. Yeah, it looks the same. However, there was nothing wrong with the looks last season. This is the definition season. of yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, because... there was nothing wrong last season. Um, like you said, today, under the lights in Bahrain, watching the testing, it just looked unreal. It looks absolutely gorgeous. It I think amazing. it has the perfect... 
it's not all green. It's obviously got black there as well. And I think it looks fantastic. I love the yellow Aston Martin sort of classic stripe as well on the side. Exactly. Um, I, I really like the, sorry, on the back of the spoiler, back of the rear wing, the armor coat, the fact that, so the car's turquoise, tur- uh, turquoise, whatever. Uh, in, yeah. Yeah, it's meant to be that color. And on the back, on the wing, they've put just blue and green. Yeah. Like they've split it to also make it look like... To also make it look like, I guess, the car itself is those colours mixed, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the sponsorship really works as well. Aston Martin are careful not to put any jarring colours, like a certain other team that's coming up. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the sponsors, the colours, the the pattern, it all blends to make a, a, a fantastic F1 livery. I've given it a 10 out of 10. Exactly, fair enough. So, um, Okay, now moving on to Haas. Haas, I have gone for a 4 out of 10. What have you gone for? I've gone for a 7. I think it's it's a decent livery. Um, I wouldn't say it's got too much wrong with it. Obviously, it was the first livery to be announced, and you get a bit of preseason excitement from that. Um, and I thought it looked stunning when it was first released, but then, you know, the other liveries have released, and there's a bit more black on them, and it's less unique for Haas now. Um, so I've gone for a seven because... I think obviously Haas, the white and red is is their colours. I think the sponsorship with MoneyGram works really well. Um, could there have been less black on the car? I think so. I think it could have been integrated better. Um, however, that being said, I don't dislike it. I think it's a strong livery, so I've gone for a seven. I mean, I've given it a four because when I first looked at it, I guess I just thought, I mean, nothing special, like especially for a first livery release. I was, I don't know what I was really expecting, but. I guess, yeah, when I just look at it, enough really special. Like, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. That's why I haven't really gone for anything lower. I mean, just, just classic house, like you said. Mm. Um. So I guess that sort of wraps up. We haven't really got too much to add on that one. Exactly, um, yeah. House so let's move on one. to, well, I'm going to say it right now, my least favourite livery of 2023, <laughs> and it's Alpha Tauri. So do you want to start off with your rating? <laughs> Alpha Tauri, okay. I'm going to go for a 4 out of 10 on that one as well. Um. I just... I mean, do you want to get into it or should I start? I feel passionately angry about this one and I've gone for a three out of 10. And I'll tell you why. Alpha Tauri, since they've come into sort of the sport after be, after being rebranded as Alpha Tauri from Toro Rosso, their navy blue and white has worked so well. It's been uninterrupted. It's been their colors. All right. And I think it, it has looked fantastic. Now, I get it. Sponsorships want their want their their colors, their logos to be on the car. However, the way Orlen has done it, I think, or they've done it with Orlen. I just, it it looks bizarre to me. It's so jarring to look at. The red does not even That's begin. It. Yeah, no, it the red just doesn't look like it the... works. Like I was saying about the um, Alfa Romeo, it looks like it's meant to be there. It looks like it belongs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like the rear wing of the um, of the Aston Martin, the Armaco sponsor. Uh, this, no. I mean, for example, why is the halo red? You know what I'm on about? I, I... Like, for example, yeah, like the Alpha Tori bit is blue, bodywork. The engine cover um, is mainly white, and they've gone for a red halo. It just doesn't I think work. Along, I, same thing about the uh, spoiler, for example, the rear wing. I, I just don't think it works. It's not integrated into the livery at all. It's like they've stuck stickers on it. And um, I genuinely think that, you know, there are F1 teams like Ferrari where they won't let a sponsorship overpower the car. And I get it. Alpha Tauri are not an iconic F1 team. Perhaps they're less afraid to do something like this. But I just think there's so much better ways of integrating sponsorships than this, and they've executed it really poorly. So that's why it's my lowest uh, livery rating. Yeah, no, I just I just don't think the colour combinations really work, especially the mainly the red, if I'm honest with you. Uh, with nothing left to say uh, on the Alpha Tauri, we're moving on to the... Last in the Constructors' Championship last season, Williams. Now, even though they were last in the Constructors, when it comes to the, the look of the livery, I really like this, this season's I livery. I wouldn't put it anywhere near last. No, I really no, like no, it no. as well. No, and near last. So, Williams, I've gone for an 8 out of 10 on this car. Yeah, what what have you gone for? I've gone for an 8 as well. We agree. Yeah, so the blue, I'm going to say, is a really nice blue. Like, just, just the, the main colour itself looks really good. Yeah, I would say Williams have had a bit of an inconsistency in their sort of shades of blue over the last few years and i think it seems like they finally settled on one and i think they've made a good choice yeah and um what's really given it high points i'm going to be honest with you and i think you've done it as well is the uh duracell um <laughs> sponsor 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the fact that they've actually turned the engine cover into a Duracell battery. I love when they integrate sponsors in clever ways. I mean, after we just talked about the horror show that was the integration of All End with Alpha Tauri, to move on to such a clever way of integrating a sponsorship, I think... It, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, this beats McLaren's Google Chrome wheel. Yeah, I, I think, think that easily. was clever, but this is a whole new level of clever. A whole I new, think yeah. obviously giving it just for the sponsorship would be unfair. Um, I think it's a lot better than last seasons in terms of uh, it's more of a matte finish, whereas yeah, the just, Williams just last looks, year looks itself. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was nice. a bit more glossy, and I wasn't really a fan of that. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it's going to be really trimmed down by the end of the season when they realize it's a second off the pace um, yeah maybe however the with the Duracell battery out of everywhere they could have put it then putting on the engine cover is really it, smart yeah, because smart like because it's, it's the shape of it yeah and it shows you the the power the engine of the car is a Duracell <laughs> battery you know what I mean like yeah, it, obviously it isn't but it just shows you how powerful Duracell uh, batteries this, are. This podcast is not sponsored by Duracell. In no, case no, it's asks. not. But... We just really like the sponsorship on the car. No, it was smart. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't say otherwise. It's a really smart way of integrating a sponsor. Yeah. So uh, on the Williams car. With that, I think that wraps up our livery ratings. So yeah, um, definitely, I would say a strong show of liveries. Um, some could definitely be better. <coughs> Alpha Tauri. Um, but yeah, <laughs> moving on to our next segment. So what we're going to talk about next is basically our thoughts on the driver pairs for 2023. Um, I think there's definitely some strong pairs in there. I thought it'd be fun to sort of discuss which teams we think have the strongest driver pairing. So we're going to go in the same order again, starting with Red Bull. Obviously, they have the best, one of the best, if not the best driver on the grid in Max Verstappen. Exactly. Yeah. That gives you the high points. However, I feel like there's a bit of a frosty relationship between him and Perez, especially after what happened in Brazil last season. Um, so was is that, there potential that when he refused to let him pass? Yeah, when yeah. he refused to let him, you know, they were fighting for sixth and seventh. It's not like it's a podium or a win. And I don't know if the maths works exactly, but I think Perez would have finished second in the championship instead of third if Verstappen had let him pass. And obviously, Verstappen had won the championship with loads of races to go anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference for him. I mean, when it comes down to Formula One teams, obviously they're in the same team, but ultimately they don't really want the other person to to win you know what i mean i mean yeah i think it's just a bit too selfish yeah like obviously if you're fighting for the win if you're fighting for a podium if you're having a great race but red bull were having a stinker at brazil last season they were mm. sixth and seventh they were fighting for sixth and seventh like and and like you said with um verstappen already winning the uh championship with multiple races to go you you would have thought that he'd just let him pass wouldn't you yeah especially as i thought in the part like before that moment i genuinely thought that they had a bit of a harmonious relationship especially because it's so clear that obviously verstappen is the number one driver perez is happy to sort of play second fiddle i wouldn't say actually i wouldn't say happy but sort of accepting of that um obviously verstappen is the superior driver I just think potentially leading into next season will perez be as open to letting verstappen pass in the future Perhaps not. I mean, the team say that the team came out and said they brushed it under the carpet. However, we'll we'll really see for for real come the first time that Red Bull asked Perez to let Verstappen pass. But for that reason, I've given the driver pair seven out of ten. Strong pairings, a strong pairing, but you know, a bit of an unknown as well. Yeah, that's that's good. Uh, ready to move on to Ferrari? Yeah, let's go on to Ferrari. I've given, yeah, we've given them a nine out of ten. Yep. Um. I mean, obviously, Leclerc is one of the most talented drivers on the grid. He has a bit of rough edges to smoothen out, but there's definitely potential for Especially a world championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's, you know, that is one race I cannot wait for this season. Monaco. Monaco primarily primarily to watch Leclerc, see if he can actually see whether he overcome this Monaco <laughs> curse this season. Would this be the season he overcomes it or well, not? Well, I mean, whether I can't he ruins his own race or whether Ferrari do it for him. We'll yeah, whether the, Ferrari, whether the Ferrari strategy messes it up, whether the Ferrari card messes it up, whether he messes it up. Whether I, he just sticks it in the wall himself. Like, you know, <laughs> whether, there's so much. I whether know. they don't mess it up at all and he does break this Monaco curse, I just can't wait for it. I really yeah, can't I mean, wait for Leclerc's it. Yeah, I mean, is a strong driver. He's paired with another strong driver they get along well and um yeah I, I i do wonder though sometimes you need a bit of that edge to make it a perfect livery uh not livery sorry perfect driver pairing um and i think they might be a bit too nice if that makes sense which is why i haven't given them a perfect 10 but definitely a strong driver pairing i mean 
Leclerc didn't sound so nice after he got told to box and uh, <laughs> and, and the signs were sat in his face. Yeah, I don't he? think they particularly loved each other at that point, but yeah. <laughs> to be fair though, that wasn't really, that was not none of the driver's faults. Yeah, it was. Was it? Uh, it was the, the engineer's old, fault. The old Ferrari strategist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just can't wait for Monaco this season as well, man. I just, I just hope it's, it's going to be an exciting race, but uh, that's a talk for another time. So moving on, third in the constructors last season, Mercedes. Uh, I can see you've gone quite strong here. You've gone for a 10. Yeah, I mean, I think Mercedes do have the strongest driver pairing. They've obviously got, statistically, the greatest Formula 1 driver of all time. Yeah. Paired alongside, potentially, the most exciting Formula 1 driver as well. I mean, he, Russell, won Hamilton's been paired across. I know Hamilton's got the bigger name, but Russell was the only one to bring them a victory last season. And that was at Sao uh, Paulo, if you remember, in Brazil. Um, Russell brought home the win, uh, the only win for Mercedes last season. And I think that Hamilton, although he comes out in the media and he's all saying that, you know, it's all about the team and, you He know, really wants to win for himself, He wants to win he? and yeah. it would have made him angry for Russell to beat him in the championship last season. I think having that edge, like I said, makes it a, even a potentially stronger driver pairing. Exactly. Um, because they've just got that drive to win, to beat each other. Um, so that's why I've gone for a 10. Two incredible drivers good rivalry, potential for fireworks. And I think, yeah, it's it's a great uh, driver pairing for Mercedes. Exactly right. So moving on now, uh, Alpine. Alpine, I see you've gone for a 6 out of 10. There's a reason for this. And Pierre Gasly, we know, is a talented driver. Ocon is also a talented driver. And technically, they both have quite similar careers. They've both had one unexpected you know, uh, win out of nowhere. Obviously, Ocon at Hungary and Gasly at Monza. Um, They've known each other since they were six years old. They used to be friends. They became in a bit of a frosty relationship. They don't particularly like each other, what we thought. But now they've joined the same team and they've come out in the media and they say they, they're they sort of getting along. And However, just... that makes you think, I mean, as, let's say, as the... um. I don't know, leader, if you will, of Alpine, you'd want your two drivers to say openly that they get along and they're exactly. well and they're nice, you know? Um, so do we trust that entirely? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it made sense to bring Gasly in. It's a French team, French manufacturer, French engine, to have two French drivers. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. But I do think there's going to be a moment where there's controversial contact between them this season. And I've given them a six out of 10 because I think the drivers are strong. I think Gasly and Ocon are strong We're just waiting for that moment this season, aren't you? We're waiting for the contact, waiting for the controversy. I think that that is genuinely exciting as well. But as a... From an Alpine team perspective, I don't think it's what they would want. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to one call from the engineer in one of these races to let the other driver do something. And then at that point, that's when it comes down to personal preference. Yeah, can you imagine if... That's when it comes down to if the driver personally wants that to happen or not. Do you think that Ocon, who's been at Alpine for years now, will want the team telling him to let Gasly pass? Yeah, yeah, Like the newcomer, you know... I. Don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, like you said, if a driver's been putting in a, a shift, doing really well, and then they just get that call, all right, foot off the gas, let your teammate pass, you're, uh, they're going to think, why? You know, like, let me have this moment. And especially if it's it's Gasly and Ocon. So I'd like to see what would happen. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. Essentially, we could be wrong. They could have settled their differences and this could be a perfectly fine pairing. I just don't think it's going to go like that. That's why <laughs> I've given it a 6 out of 10. Anyway, moving on to McLaren. Um... We've given it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, 7. Lando Norris, obviously, it's hard to say last season whether he was severely outperforming the car or whether Daniel Ricciardo was severely underperforming um, in that McLaren. Ricciardo's gone off to Red Bull now, hasn't he? Yeah, as the third Ricardo's driver. Ricciardo's a reserve driver for Red Bull now, yeah. Um, and he'll be looking to take that seat off Perez come 2024. But um, anyway, back to McLaren. Um, so it would be interesting to see how close Piastri is to Norris because we'll really get answers to last season as to whether um, it was purely Daniel Ricciardo um, being below par, whether it was Lando Norris's brilliance. Um, For example, if Lando Norris gets double Piastri's points, obviously it's not, it's not ultra surprising given that it's Piastri's rookie season, but it would say more about how great Lando Norris is in terms of the driver pairing. I've given it a seven because I think they're very two very strong drivers. Lando Norris, obviously, um, one of the most exciting Formula One drivers, and Oscar Piastri, 
one of the best rookies in terms of their previous sort of junior formula categories. Um, so yeah, I think there's not too much to say about it now. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, strong driver pairing. So seven out of 10, anything to add? Nothing more to add. You've explained it all really well. Uh, now moving on Alfa Romeo, their livery was great, but what have you given their driver pairings? Um, I've given it a six. Um, Valtteri Bottas started the 2022 season absolutely on fire and it sort of tailed off towards the end of the season to the point where you literally forgot he was on the grid sometimes and is he gonna have a fresh new start to the season or is he gonna carry on from the end of 2022 and it's sort of tough to say. Gwenny Joe obviously had a strong rookie season last year but we'd be expecting him to do more this season um, than the odd points finish. I think he was unlucky with reliability a lot of time. I think he would either be P11 or 12 just on the cusp of points or he would be in the points and his engine would blow up. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. definitely think that Gwenny Joe could have done more last season, um, potentially. I've given it a six because I don't think they're the strongest drivers on the grid necessarily, um, but they seem to work well together. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, this debate can also come down to if you give... Uh, two drivers let's say let's say, if you give two drivers a great car would they perform differently to that if you just give them like an average car on the grid or does it come down literally to the driver if you mm -hmm. know what i mean mm -hmm. so for example if you give hamilton an average car you might expect them to still pull off some maneuvers yeah some experienced drivers however if you give i don't know just pick an average driver from the grid <laughs> an average driver yeah go on um, <laughs> oh i don't want to throw shots here uh, albon <laughs> Right, he's, if, he's a good driver, but, you know. Yeah, if you, were to, if you were to pick him and give him, I don't know, a Red Bull, Ferrari or a Mercedes, then it comes down to, is it the driver or is it the car, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, when Albon was at Red Bull, it wasn't exactly the smoothest ride for him. So, you know, sometimes it comes down to the driver suiting the car or vice versa. Exactly. Um, so anyway, on to Aston Martin. I think it's a semi-strong liver, uh, liver again, <laughs> driver pairing. Um it's a very strong livery. It's a semi-strong strong livery um, yeah. driver pairing. I think obviously Lance Stroll, he will be there till the end of time as long as his father is owning the team. Um, I don't think he's as poor as people say he is. Um, he's definitely got some strong attributes. I think he's getting more hate just because obviously his, his dad just brought him in there to be I think to be if honest, he wasn't, so. if if that wasn't the case, he wouldn't be as he wouldn't be the main disliked driver, as he, think, he, no. he is. I think... Fernando Alonso will be an upgrade on Sebastian Vettel. Unpopular opinion, but I think it's true. Um, obviously, Sebastian Vettel was perhaps tailing off at the end of uh, at the end of his career. He had a strong end to the season. Don't get me wrong, but you know, um, I think Fernando Alonso still has the hunger, even at his age, to bring that Aston Martin to the front end of right. the pack you know i'm not talking about being ferrari mercedes and and red bull i'm talking about solidifying that midfield and i think alonso is the best driver to do that uh, so that's why i've given them a seven out of ten i think it's a good driver pairing um potentially we'll see how lance stroll is but i think he he has room to improve this season i'm gonna miss vettel you know that mm. gonna miss seb yeah, it's weird um, not seeing. It's weird not the, seeing his name on the grid. Like, yeah. I was, where's VET on the on the leaderboard? It wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we've nothing more to add on that. Uh, I'm assuming you got nothing more to add. We're moving on now. Has has six, I've given them. Yeah, another I another think, mid mid table point. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no excitement in that driver pairing. It's Magnussen, he's experienced. It's Hulkenberg, he's experienced. Is there? An incredible driver there. No. Is it a solid driver pairing that I can mean, get you points? Kevin Magnussen, if you remember, he got P1 in qualifying for the Sao Paulo Grand Prix I last mean, season. That was I mean, that was, that was crazy. I mean, I mean was... It, was, it wasn't even with a dodgy sort of... Everyone had a lap in the wet and he went out first. I mean... He did the best lap. Further on in this podcast, we're going to be giving qualifying predictions, for example, for Bahrain coming up. Um, however, I can't imagine... You would have given Kevin Magnussen a P1 qualifier for Sao Paulo. No, last I don't year, think. Yeah, I mean, with the rain, it's always a bit of a unknown. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. I mean, what comes to mind is Alonso at Canada getting a front row. That was obviously incredible from him. Um, I think Magnussen and Hulkenberg will be an experienced, solid 
driver pair for Haas, but the reason I've given it a sort of average rating is because I don't see any miracles coming this season. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, on to Alpha Tauri. Alpha Tauri, right. I see here for Alpha Tauri, you've given it a, a, a five. five. Yeah, well, nothing special, but nothing too bad. An awful so. livery. <laughs> an average driver pairing. Yuki Sonoda has a lot of proof. You're not. You're not really. You're not really having high hopes for AlphaTauri this season. I'm not taking the AlphaTauri no. this season. Um, I think Yuki Sonoda has a lot to prove this season. I think. I agree. Yeah. He's had essentially enough time now, and he needs to show what he's capable of. Otherwise, you know that seat will be given to someone else. Um, he should step up as the leader this year, given that De Vries is obviously his rookie season. I agree with that too. Um, yeah. I think if De Vries outperforms Sonoda, it's the end for Yuki in Formula 1, which is a shame because I genuinely think there's talent there. Um, I think Sonoda's going to solidify his place this season. I, I don't know. Do. I just have... Yeah, I think Yuki's going to show his worth. Well, obviously, we don't know about the performance of the car yet. It could be... You're right, yeah. We've, well, you'd we've hope it'd be seen... a lot better than last season. Last season, it was a bit awful, especially because Gasly... Um, who had such a strong 2021, couldn't get the best out of it last season. I mean, you're right. We've only, uh, whilst recording this, we've only seen the uh, day one, day testing. one testing. And obviously testing, you don't know, they don't really push the car to full. Yeah, I they? mean, the Alpine was at the back of the grid. But I, I mean, we saw um, whose engine blew up. Who was that? It's got out of my mind. I, I don't think anyone's engine blew up. I think it was more of like a failure. And um, Verstappen's obviously brakes. Right, yeah, I, I missed yeah. that. I, I started watching it a bit late, so I, um, I heard I heard engine blew up. So I was all quite worried. Um, no, I don't... Alpha Tauri, um, yeah, we'll see what they've got this season. I just don't think the driver pairing is particularly strong. Um, we did see the um, Aston Martin, we did see Alonso lock up quite a lot, didn't we? Yeah, that was quite, quite a lot. Yeah, I but, mean, I don't know whether that's him just getting used to the new team. Yeah, yeah, I don't know whether that... Yeah, I don't know whether that's the driver breaking to aggressively or you know maybe he's just not used to it or, yeah. i mean maybe he's just setting up different brake biases in the steering wheel we don't know what he was yeah doing. fortunately though he is going to be able to race it quite a bit before the races start so he's yeah, going to be able to drive around to quite a lot so he's got time practice. to yeah time to get because used to we've that. got a lot of new drivers in new teams this season so it will definitely be interesting to see how they adapt but anyway do you are you predicting any um any shocks for this season like any new drivers or drivers who worked great last season bossing it this season or maybe for some selective races. I think my biggest um, shock would be potentially Guan Yu Zhou outperforming Bottas. Obviously, Bottas has a wealth of experience. He's obviously, ex Mercedes driver. I mean, Bottas's name is you know you know when you pick an F one team, there's like you said a main driver. Yeah, and I a mean Bottas driver. is the yeah. main driver for Alfa Romeo, but I think Guan Yu Zhou will really build on what he did last season. That's sort of my out there prediction. I think he'll outscore Valtteri Bottas in the standings. Great, great. I can't wait for this season to, uh, to take off. But before the season takes off, we need to talk about Williams, the driver pair for Williams, the last team. What have you given them? I think Alex Albon really feels at home at Williams. Obviously, there was so much pressure at Red Bull. I think that year yeah. out sort of did him a favour. And um, I feel like he's really controlling that team now and he, he has a strong hand. Obviously, Logan Sargent is a rookie. Not the most exciting in the junior formulas, but definitely has talent and um, has the potential to be good. However, I don't think he's going to really outperform Albon at all. Um, I've I given mean, it a 6 out of 10 for that reason. I don't think it's competitive enough yeah. to be a, a stronger driver pairing. I mean, like you said, Albon, you know, feeling comfortable at Williams and leading Williams. I mean, if you take a driver from Red Bull and put them in Williams, you, they they would be, you know... They would feel a bit more comfortable. You, comfortable. You at, they would also expect to be the leader in that pair, which he is. I mean, you look at George Russell's time at Williams, for example. It wasn't even close. He was obviously the better driver there. Um, Mercedes snatched him. Yeah, they snatched him back. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think Williams is a bit of unknown. I'm not sure if there'll be really an improvement on last season potentially, but I haven't really seen enough to to say for sure. But yeah, definitely a a solid driver pairing. I would say solid, not nothing more though. Right, so that concludes the uh, driver pair um, driver pair ratings. <laughs> yeah, now moving on to a new segment. We're going to talk about the 2023 calendar. This yeah, season so we got up, the so. 2023 calendar up here. So we're basically just going to go through, give our thoughts, see which races we're most excited for, which ones could produce bangers, our predictions. Yeah, so so the first race, race one, 3rd to 5th of March, the race weekend in Bahrain. Personally, um, I cannot wait for this one. I mean, a lot of people will say 
they prefer Australia to be the opening race just because of nostalgia. But I think Bahrain produces stronger races than Australia. I'm going to be say. honest. This is like this is one of my favorite racetracks to watch them on. Mm-hmm. I genuinely uh, think it's a really great start. Obviously, it eats the tires for breakfast. It does, but, but that's that's why it's entertaining. For example, like you said, it eats the tires because of all the you can the height, the speed strategies yeah, because of speed that. straights, the fast corners. Yeah, I mean the sharp corners is is great. I mean the DRS zones. Well, you could do everything on that track. You know, overtake. I mean, I think ease. last season it it definitely had a really strong start to the 2022 season. Obviously, it didn't pan out the way that it sort of led us to believe with Leclerc and Science picking up the 1-2 and Verstappen's engine blowing up. It ended up essentially flipping and it was Verstappen who would always win and Ferrari's engines would blow up. So, you know, it it doesn't always give you a good benchmark on, on what will happen in the season. However, I do think the racing there is strong. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it, definitely. I like it. Yeah, I've got, I've got nothing... Nothing negative to say about that. If we were to read out of 10, it would be a 10 from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to race two. So this is same month, the 17th to 19th of March, the race so weekend we in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. So I think that Jeddah's actually been a welcome addition to the the F1 calendar since it came in 2021. I think a lot's been said about uh, on the political side, but obviously I we're judging these racetracks purely on a, on a racing perspective. Um, and I think in terms of excitement, I think Jeddah produces bangers. I think 2021 was a banger. 2022 was a banger. There's I mean, so much potential for great racing here. I mean, still in the, in the Arab world, it's like I said, moving on to Saudi Arabia from Bahrain. It's still great. Like I said, nothing, nothing really negative to say about a it. Lot, there is a little bit of a negative and I wouldn't say it's the perfect racetrack. It has a lot of fast blind corners and that could potentially be quite dangerous we obviously saw a big crash from schumacher last season you're right yeah um but you know from a pure fan's perspective i, I mean really yeah this like this, this comes down track. to obviously personal perspectives like i said i, I quite like the jetta track yeah. um yeah I've got, so got yeah to moving to on to australia that. obviously that takes place two weeks after uh Jeddah yeah that closes March uh and welcomes April 31st of March to the 2nd of April in Melbourne Australia that's race three yeah uh, I think 2023 calendar I think it's really exciting going to Melbourne um it's a great track I would say it's got great atmosphere there is the slight chance they can sometimes produce a bit of a boring race Mm. um that's why I'm happy that it's not the first race of the season anymore um they've obviously reprofiled they've reprofiled the track for 2022 and I don't think it did too much, you know. It was still a kind of... Obviously, Leclerc had the big lead in, and he ended up winning that race, especially because Verstappen um, had another DNF early in the season. Um, I think it's a, it's a strong track. I wouldn't say it's amazing, though, for racing. So, yeah, that sort of closes my thoughts, really. I've got, I've got nothing more to add to that one uh, in Australia. It makes the Australians happy that they don't have to wake up at stupid o'clock to watch the races on this <laughs> side of the world, doesn't it? We have to get up at 6am <laughs> Yeah, earlier if you want to watch the pre-race. 6am is not, not that bad if you it's ask me. It's not too bad. I mean, I did last race. season it was alright. Well, well angered me was getting up at 6am for Japan and having to wait for, for two hours until the race actually started <laughs> because of the rain. Yeah. Um... <laughs> um Moving on, race four. Race four, this uh, few weeks later. Yeah, obviously. To, to end Chinese April 28th to 30th, yeah. Azerbaijan Baku circuit. Now, yeah, there's I, a, obviously a bit of a break between Australia and this one because yeah. the Chinese Grand Prix was cancelled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on now, Baku? I love, I love Baku. One yeah. of the best, if not the best, street circuit. The super long uh, straights for overtaking. And we see, car, we see cars reach very high speeds in Baku, mm. which I guess shows the car... I uh, think it really tests the limits of the car. You've got the, the long straights, you've got the <coughs> wide areas, you've got the really narrow turn 10, for example. Turn 8, sorry, turn 8, mm. um, in the castle section. Yeah. I think there's so much potential for this race to produce, and it has in, in previous years produced really great spectacles. It's my favourite um, street circuit, and yeah, definitely one of my favourite tracks on the calendar. So yeah, really excited. Yeah, uh, like yeah, like I said, uh, one of the best street circuits Um Nothing more to add to that. Baku always brings fireworks and I can't wait for this season. And now moving on to uh, race five, beginning of May, 5th to 7th of May, the race weekend in Miami, the Miami circuit. Now it's not the uh, last circuit and uh, in my personal opinion, not the most exciting circuit in America this season, not the one we're most looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's three races in in the US this year. This is the first one. It debuted last season. I think people are giving it a lot of hard time, mostly because they're not happy that there's three races in the US. Um, 
I don't think it's a bad circuit. Yeah. I just think Sector 3 kills it a little bit. It's got a really slow section going onto the straight. And that means it doesn't give you that momentum you need for the overtakes. Right, right yeah. Um, especially because of the air, um, the dirty air effect. So, yeah, I, I do think there should be an improvement to the track. Um, however, I don't think it's a particularly bad circuit either. So, yeah, a standard circuit for me. I'd give it a 6 out of 10, maybe. Um Anyway, moving on to Imola, or the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. Yes, the sixth race, uh, 19th to 21st of May, that weekend in May there. Um, not not too you know, big of a break from Miami. Mm. Uh, right, this circuit, um, obviously when it comes to circuits like this, we want to see Ferrari do well. It's their home, yeah. you know. Uh, I mean, their it's home circuit. To their, to their home base in Italy. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's uh, this one, I've I quite like this circuit. Really? To be honest with you, yeah. I don't... There's thing. I like that there's a lot of gravel traps because, yeah. you know, any off-circuit moments can be quite um, detrimental to your race. However, I'm not the biggest fan of Imola. Like, uh, I know it's unpopular, but I think it's not that great for racing. Like, you don't see that many overtakes, and I think it can be a bit boring. I mean, you think back to last season when Hamilton was stuck at the back and he couldn't pa- get past Gasly the whole race because there's mm. just not there's not room to overtake. And yeah. I think it's it doesn't really make sense for it to be the sprint weekend as well, especially for a short race like that, mm. where mm, I'd personally remove it from the calendar if I was if I was operating things. But I understand why it's there. Obviously, um, spectacle of the Italian Grand Prix, um, the Tifosi. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it's okay. I would give it a four yeah, out no, of ten. I was, I was going to get to that. With races being removed, are you happy the French Grand Prix has been removed from this um, this season here now? You know, I would have been, because I think the French Grand Prix has been... Quite boring, don't quite you think? Quite boring. Yeah. But last season it was all right, actually. I mean, we obviously had the big Leclerc moment <laughs> when he <laughs> shunted it into the wall. Um, but... Leclerc seems to not do well with his home... Uh, well, home country is Monaco, to be honest, but Monaco is also... Close to um, France. Close to France, French. yeah. It's, it's yeah. integrated in France. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to do too well there, does it? <laughs> in French-speaking countries, no. But <laughs> yeah, firstly, I don't I don't think France was that great. I don't think it was the worst circuit on the grid, but, you know, I think with having a French team, it's a bit harsh to remove their home Grand Prix, but, you know, it's all in contracts and whatever, so we don't really know the details of that. Exactly, bro. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned Monaco. Now, moving on uh, to race seven. Of the twenty twenty three calendar, uh, concluding May twenty sixth to twenty eighth, that is uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Now, the Monaco Grand Prix is one I cannot wait for this season. You can't wait. You I can't see, wait. You the... want to see the curse broke? I want to see Leclerc win his home race. Now, right. Monaco, it's quite a narrow, you know, street circuit. It's got the hairpin. It's this is, but I think it's quite entertaining to watch. Yeah, I definitely think be... it's the best qualifying of the season because no. it's the most important qualifying because obviously. You know, we're talking about fine margins in Formula One. The, the thousandth of a second can matter in Monaco because, of you know, if you're stuck behind someone at the start of the grid, you're going to be stuck behind them the whole race unless Ferrari manages to ruin something with the pit strategy. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I of think, course, yeah, yeah, obviously I, um, Monaco, there's not too much to say. It's a staple of Formula like, One. Like I said at the at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about Liv- I think we were talking about the liveries when I mentioned it. I, I can't wait to see Leclerc this season in Monaco. <laughs> you want to see? Is he going to break the curse? Well, I hope he breaks the curse for his sake. I hope he breaks the curse too. I don't I don't really wish like downfall on him or anything bad for him. However, it's 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 become it's become almost funny. A well-known, yeah, funny well-known <laughs> thing. Leclerc and Monaco, they just don't seem to Don't seem, don't to, seem gel. to work, do they? Um <coughs> yeah, obviously Monaco, it's a unique circuit. It's not really comparable to the others. It's there because it's iconic and it's special. Um but yeah, moving on to Spain. Now oh. Spain. This one, uh, uh, first race in June. First race in June, second to fourth. Yep, it's in Barcelona. This one, yeah. Uh, the Barcelona circuit, the, the only circuit, the only circuit in uh, Spain. Well, they got rid of the Valencia one ages ago, but yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the twenty twenty three feet calendar, the only circuit in uh, in Spain in this calendar. Um, what are you thinking of it for the eighth race? I think it's. I think. Mm, I want to say that it's underrated. A lot of people say that it's boring. But I really think that's quite harsh. Last season, it was quite a decent race. Mm. Um, I, I definitely think it has a similar problem to Miami, or I guess Miami has a similar problem to Spain in that in Sector 3, that final chicane really kills the momentum. Right, um, right, yeah. And I think if they just reprofiled that, it could definitely have a lot more exciting overtakes at Spain. 
Um, I think it's an okay race, though. I wouldn't get rid of it. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a strong... It's a strong race. I'd give it a six out of ten as well. Obviously, we're gonna when it actually comes to the race. That's when we're gonna see how the drivers perform, how the cars perform, um, whether the, whether drivers can just turn turn what seems to be a boring race into a exciting race. Yeah, I mean, you know? sometimes yeah. it just sometimes it just happens. I mean, we know obviously that Monaco has its limits, but with a track like Spain, I think there's potential for it to be exciting, um, depending on just how the drivers perform on a day exactly exactly uh if you've got nothing more to add on that we're moving on to race nine uh not a massive break between this one as well this one's in canada montreal uh on the 16th and 18th of june like i said the ninth race of the calendar what do you think of this one the canadian um one? canada's one of my favorite it's technically like, a street I'm, circuit yeah it technically is it doesn't really behaves like a track it doesn't really give me street circuit vibes no um I think it's a it's a great track. Obviously, the Wall of Champions at the end, iconic for causing crashes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think Canada's a fun circuit, um, especially with potential of rain and and mixed up qualifying. I think they've also got a very long straight as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. For um, yeah, for overtaking. back straight. I think it's got great overtaking, great crowd, great track, and uh, yeah, definitely a staple of the calendar. I really like it. Exactly, that's one I can't wait for as well. Now, uh, moving on to the 10th race in the 2023 calendar, we have got uh, Austria, the Spielberg circuit, to end June, on the 30th of June to the 2nd of July. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this race here is taking place. What do you think uh, of that one? Obviously, one of the... I think it is the shortest race on the the calendar. I think it's it's obviously an interesting track. We see a lot of varied performance, though, because, for example, Red Bull dominated most of the season last year but looked really poor like Leclerc got an overtake on Verstappen three times after pitting and then overtaking him again and then again and then again um yeah it's a sprint weekend as well I think it suits it because overtaking is not too difficult around there um yeah nothing really special about it but nothing bad either it's a strong calendar um it's a strong race on on the calendar so yeah moving on to Silverstone Silverstone yeah Eleventh uh, race, seventh to ninth of uh, July, which really isn't a long way, is it, from Austria? We no, go straight from no, we go straight from week. Spielberg to Silverstone. Um, whenever we race at Silverstone, I always want to see you know Russell Norris, Hamilton. I always want to see them do yeah great, especially Hamilton. Please I the think, home crowd. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think um, Hamilton and Silverstone have almost become a pair special connection. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, the home race for the British drivers. Um, not just that but it's also a really exciting track we all love Silverstone the racing out is fantastic Um, yeah nothing really bad all the obvious things it's a great race no chance it's hell in hell it's getting removed from the calendar because it's no. brilliant. I think Silverstone as well is it's quite it's quite like iconic now. Mm, definitely. You know? I mean Silverstone race circuit obviously is iconic anyway. There's been um it's been there for a while. It's but in Formula One definitely. Formula One, yeah, obviously we're talking yeah. yeah. Formula One is it's, it's iconic. It's, I don't think they'll remove I'd it. I'd say it's the home of Formula One. Yeah. yeah exactly. And it's, it's where we the... see the best action. Exactly that, exactly that. Um Twelfth race, okay. This one's still in July. Uh, this one you you know have a few few week gap. You got twenty first to twenty third of July in uh, Budapest, Hungary. Mm. I I I think the Hungara ring has the the potential to produce bangers. I just comes down to the drivers again, doesn't it? it yeah, comes down I to mean, however they're going to perform. Last, all I can think of from Hungary now is just hard tires in Leclerc. Like why? <laughs> I still to this day I still cannot understand why Ferrari pit Leclerc on the hards last season. It makes no sense, and it cost him another race win. And that at that moment, I believed that the championship was truly dead at that point because you can't you can't keep throwing race wins away like this. I think Hungary as a track is great. Um, not much more to say about it, to be honest. Um, can produce great races. So, on to Belgium. Belgium, yes. On to Belgium. The third... Uh, 13th, sorry. Third. Not third. <laughs> 13th race. Uh, this one to, to end July, 28th to 30th. Uh, in, yeah, Belgium, as you said already. What do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, I had the privilege of attending this Grand Prix last season. Um, yeah, oh, just yeah, you did, yeah. Uh, brilliant spectacle the spa obviously uh it lost a bit of reputation in 2021 because we only had like three laps um <laughs> because of the rain <laughs> but i think yeah it's definitely an iconic track in formula one it's it's i think the longest the longest circuit um but yeah definitely can produce exciting races and 
yeah, not much more to say about it. Apart from last season, it was a bit boring. I mean, everyone was at a certain pace, and then Verstappen was like a rocket ship, just moving through everyone. <laughs> and I think he ended up from 14th on the grid, winning by like 20 seconds. So, you know, definitely uh, an interesting observation <laughs> there. I want to see if that would continue, but yeah, I'd hope that the great racing returns in 2023. Exactly that. Yeah, I've got nothing more to add. Uh, race 14, now we're moving into August uh, on this one. The 25th to 27th of August, so quite a quite a break. Yeah, so is this after the summer break? Is the summer break after Spa? I believe it is. Um, there, yeah, there's a three-week gap, I think. Yeah, in Netherlands. Yeah. Now, this is uh, in Zand, uh, Zandvoort. I can't pronounce that. You could- <laughs> Zandvoort. I mean, Zandvoort, it's obviously two Verstappen home races in a row because obviously he's Belgian-born, but Dutch national. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think it's a nice classic circuit. I, I yeah. like that it's back on the calendar. Um, has a lot of bendy, fast corners, and those are obviously my favourite to watch in Formula One. And I think the banking at the end um, is also quite unique in that it's obviously going around the bend. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's a great setup for overtaking as well. So, yeah, I think it was a strong race last year, and I'm looking forward to the same. Nice, nice. Now, uh Moving on, race 15. Now, this one welcomes us to September. The re- the weekend is from the 1st to the 3rd of September in Italy. Now, this is the Monza. Monza, it's a 10 out of 10. Move on. Yeah, uh, I was no, going to say, I, the, the look I you gave know, you. What can the, you say about Monza? Yeah, the look I gave you for the, for the Monza circuit, it's uh, entertaining. It's, it's definitely it's... one of my favourites. I love Monza. The fans make it special. You know, the race circuit is iconic and... Yeah, it can produce great races. One thing I would say about Monza is that DRS has such a smaller advantage in Monza than it would in any other track just because they run the wings so low. So it can actually make it a bit harder to overtake, which is something that I thought was interesting. Um, But yeah, that's just sort of an observation rather than me thinking that the race is boring because it wasn't boring last season. And I don't think it will be boring. Um, that's why I think it's just such an iconic track. And yeah, it should stay for many, many, many years to come. Yeah, now another one of the uh, races I can't wait for this season. Mm. Uh, now, after that, race 16, we don't have a big break. This one's from the 15th to the 17th of September in Singapore. Now, the Singapore Grand Prix at Ham Talk to Me. The original night race yep. um, is back once again. It's been slightly reprofiled. I think it's going to do a great job. Um, that reprofiling because I think it was such a slow section that they've reprofiled um, yeah I think it will definitely help raceability um, yeah Singapore I think it's slightly tricky to overtake at but yeah I think it's definitely belongs on the calendar it's an exciting night race and it's such a physical test for the drivers with obviously yeah. the high humidity and yeah I think it's it's definitely an interesting proposition yeah I, I like I like races where drivers get put to the test really mm-hmm. like whether it's not the track whether it's the atmosphere whether it's the environment yeah like, and you really get to see you really get to separate the men from the boys of course yeah you get yeah you get to see um how it performs another race that uh obviously when the time comes for it our predictions for qualifying is going to be quite uh interesting for that yeah one, I mean obviously if- Perez is a bit of a street circuit specialist he was able to win the the Singapore Grand Prix last season um yeah. while Verstappen and Hamilton were kind of at the back yeah I mean <laughs> they there really are strong there are drivers who obviously prefer track and circuit um sorry yeah. track and street yeah circuits you uh, know I think mean? Perez is definitely one of those um but moving from a street circuit to one yes. of the most iconic race circuits one of the most iconic the 17th Suzuka. race uh Suzuka in Japan this one's to conclude September 22nd to 24th now I love Suzuka in terms of watching it I tried playing it on the F1 game <laughs> I'm awful at it, probably because this one actually requires the most skill, <laughs> apart from Monaco, maybe. Um, but yeah, Suzuka is definitely an exciting spectacle. It's just a classic racetrack, fast flowing corners, brilliant raceability. And yeah, just a really exciting race. Even last season when we only had like a shorter uh, Japanese Grand Prix because of the rain. Um, even in that shorter period, we had great racing, some of the best of racing. Um, so yeah, Suzuka definitely a great track and i'm happy to see it on the calendar of course yeah and now uh nothing more for me to add the 18th race this one the 6th to 8th of october we're moving to qatar so this one yeah the qatar grand prix was obviously on the calendar in 2021 then it was removed last season because um they were busy with the world cup i guess (laughs) i mean what an event as well the world cup in qatar unreal definitely a really great uh world cup and if they can translate that to formula one i mean the race in Qatar in 2021 was a bit meh. I mean, the racing isn't 
amazing but obviously we've just got one race to judge it off so it wouldn't be fair to write it off so yeah i'd definitely be interested to see whether that trend continues or whether we get a banger in 2023 but yeah definitely one of the unknowns exactly can't wait for that one either now 19th race now we're back in the usa for this one uh 20th to 22nd of october this one's in austin now like i said it's not the still not the last one um and not the most exciting one, not the one I'm looking forward to most in the USA, but talk to me at home about the um this one in Austin. What do you think of this one? Um, yeah, out of it in Miami last season, I definitely think that uh, Austin produces, just from a track layout, actually from all three, um, I think that Austin is the strongest in terms of racing. I think it has a very fast um, sort of swing in section, like you get a Silverstone in Sector 2. Um it's quite similar in that sense. Uh, and yeah, I think it, it's it's definitely an underrated race. I think it produces um, a decent spectacle. But obviously, it's obviously not the, the US Grand Prix that everyone's talking about for this season. But no, no, yeah, definitely gonna... a, a strong race for sure. Yeah, we're going to move on to that one. But before we do, we move on to the 20th race. Now, we just moved south from Austin into Mexico. This one's in Mexico City. Uh, 27th to 29th of October, not a big wait at all. No, from the, the race in Austin. Uh, what do you think of the, the Mexican Grand Prix? I really like the Mexican yeah, Grand Prix in terms same. of the layout, in terms of, yeah, the fans. Obviously, it's Perez's home race. He gets a lot of support there. Yeah. Um, I do think last season it was such a snoozer, though. It was so poor. It was definitely the race I enjoyed the least. Mm. There was nothing the entire race. I was just, I was asleep by lap. 30 or whatever um yeah i just don't understand why it was so boring um i think ferrari being so far off the pace was part of the reason um it just meant that red bull kind of had an easy way forward um Mm. but yeah because it's so high altitude it definitely messes with the aerodynamics a bit yeah um but yeah i uh, that's not to say i would get rid of it i definitely think it's it's got a strong place yeah like i said i I think it also it's going to come down to the drivers again. I mean, this season, are they going to perform better than last season? Or I mean, last season happen? was so boring. I just, I, it would be hard to make it worse than last season. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, contrary to that, though, I, I genuinely like the Mexican Grand Prix and I, I am happy to see it remain on the calendar. So moving on to Brazil. Moving on, yeah, the first race in, uh, in South America, the only race in South America, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, from this grid, the 21st race, 3rd to 5th November in Sao Paulo. Now, I personally love this track i think it's yeah one of the best i love this track especially i mean last season russell brought her for mercedes mercedes early win yeah one of the most exciting races of last season yeah i <coughs> i i love this one i mean russell to go from what did he do in in um qualifiers didn't he like spin out yeah he spun out in quali he spun out in qualifiers yeah, got decent position Overtook Verstappen in the sprint and dominated the Grand Prix. Yeah, he, and he, um, he won. Yeah, but he dominated the Grand Prix. Yeah, not to mention, better. not just Russell's incredible feat last season, but also the racing from all the cars um, is just great around Brazil. You've got so many fast-flowing corners. It's got a great it was sort great, of setup yeah. to the straight to overtake at. Yeah, I just definitely think this is an iconic Formula One circuit and needs to remain on the calendar forever. Yeah, I I, I love this one. There's nothing bad I could say about it. Uh, one of the other races that which I can't wait wait for this season, Las Vegas. I definitely think it's going to be a spectacle. Um, Las Vegas. Yeah. There's not too much to talk about it though because we haven't seen a Las Vegas race before, so we don't really know how the racing's. No, gonna now be. what I what I think is great about this one, the 22nd race in Las Vegas, is um. The fact that it's a street circuit on the Las Vegas Strip, mm-hmm. like on the iconic Las Vegas Strip, I yeah. think that is unreal. The, I think that'll what, be a spectacle to watch. We're going to see Formula One cars on the Las Vegas Strip. Now, that's that's not something you see every day, is it? So. Yeah, it's definitely something exciting um, to look forward to. Whether it produces great races or not, we'll wait and see. But until then, we can just talk about our thoughts on... I think some people have a problem with there being three US races, but I I personally wouldn't say I'm too annoyed by it. I mean, the US is such a big country. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I do think that all three races have a different vibe to them. So Yeah, exactly that, bro. Exactly that. And now to conclude the 2023 calendar, the 2023 season, we have got the 23rd race. Um, and the finale race. in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi, yes. The Yas Marina, um, end of November for this one. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this race? Yeah, I I think it's it's mm, the finale used to be at Brazil, and that always used to produce bangers. But 
obviously, since it's moved to Abu Dhabi... I mean, this isn't this the, the longest calendar, or am I just... Last season was also 23 races. Right, okay. Um, yeah. 24 was supposed to be the number this season before ca- uh, the Chinese right, that's it. Grand yeah, Prix that's, got cancelled. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Abu Dhabi is a, a, a good circuit to finish the season at. Nothing too risky in terms of swaying the championship at the end. I know that can be a bit boring for the fans, but... I mean, I say that, obviously, 2021 had a banger in Abu Dhabi. Well, banger, controversy, you know. Um, but yeah, it's a very flat circuit. There's, like, no elevation change. Yeah. Um, but then again, I don't have a problem with it being the finale. It's a, it's a strong uh, circuit to end at. And yeah, it's our final thoughts yeah. on the calendar. I mean, that concludes the calendar. It's also going to conclude our podcast. We've got yeah, so, yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun. Wouldn't you say so? A lot of fun, bro, yeah, a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, and yeah... <coughs> Uh, basically, that was our preseason thoughts. We might do another one before the season gets underway. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll carry, we'll stay on top of uh, testing. See mm, what happens there. See if there's anything, anything exciting interesting happens to talk there. about, and give our predictions as well. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that. That yeah, was. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be back for the uh, the qualifying sessions. Yeah, that was uh, around the outside on the Speed and Shoot podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>